0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel. I'm your host to the show with all these wonderful athletes where we get to talk about their story and path to the Olympic Games. Today, we have multi-time Olympian Faye Gallini. Super incredible, very cool snowboard cross. Very interesting sport on its own. Um, Just very, very interesting. She's been to the X Games. Unfortunately, it was taken out of the X Games, which is kind of a drag. Um, Faye has a super, super interesting story. Very incredible Um, what she's doing. She really dives into the monetary aspects of being an Olympian and how it's very difficult, especially from a snowboard cross perspective, a female snowboard cross perspective. So that's very great. Um, She also has kind of a gut-wrenching story, especially considering what you need to do to get to the Olympics and then how quickly hers ended. It was very, very frustrating, very annoying. So it is one of those things. It's disappointing. It happens. Um, It just stinks to have it happen like it did to Faye. So she was so much fun to talk to. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it too. So please, one more time, USA snowboard crosser, Faye Gallini. All right, today's special guest, three-time Olympian, Faye Gallini, USA snowboarding, discipline, snowboard cross. Faye was born March 24th, 1992 in Salt Lake City, Utah. At the age of 10, Faye competed in her first uh, snowboard cross event in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Beautiful. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And by 14, she decided she wanted to go pro and, you know, just decided to do that. Uh, she moved from Salt Lake City to Vail, Colorado to pursue her dream. Faye is a three time Olympian, as I said, 2010, 2014, 2018, and has attended the X Games eight times. Eight. That's incredible. Three time Olympian, eight time X Games competitor. Faye, thanks for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it
1: yeah no problem. thanks for having me
0: No no, no, no The pleasure is mine. I promise you that hey, if you don't mind I mean that's such a unworthy and boring introduction that I gave you. Do you mind just kind of i guess starting your story for us and kind of telling us a little bit about yourself let's 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 go back to the beginning. Let's go back to salt lake and and uh you know you just take it away
1: take it away okay um yeah, so was born and raised, grew up here in Salt lake and um actually, my dad was in the the ski lift industry. Um, So I was skiing at a super young age, um, always at the mountain, I was the youngest of five. And so I think it, although it was expensive, um, we had, obviously, with my dad working in the industry, we had like unlimited access to resort, that resort, snowbird, in particular, So we spent most of our time there for, for, um, you know, my early years of life. It was easy to take all five of us. And we can kind of you know, my older siblings can go off with their friends and not getting out with my parents and, and learn to ski and whatnot. So I grew up kind of always exposed to the mountains, always exposed to skiing. And um, and then I guess maybe, so all my older siblings switched to snowboarding eventually. Um, and I begged and begged and begged, and they wouldn't let me. And then uh, on my eighth birthday, I got my snowboard. So that's when I kind of started snowboarding. I probably only went once or twice that year, once or twice the next year. Um, actually my mom passed away a few years earlier so we had ended up we had a lot less time um to do those things so and I didn't actually love snowboarding I wanted to do it because everyone else was doing it but I was terrible at it so I spent all the whole day on my butt and I was like crying and I was miserable but I actually didn't do much of it for a few years um and then when I was like 10 years old I started to get really into it and I I was having a lot of fun with it um and it was something that kept me busy and um my dad was like hey let's or I begged my dad actually to let me join the snowboard team at Snowbird. Um, And eventually he worked that out. And so I started on the snowboard team there. I did maybe like a season on the team. And then the following season or or the season after that was when I did that race in Jackson Hole. Um, And I was so excited to compete. And uh, there was probably only one other girl in my division, if that. Um, So no matter what, I got a medal. So that was pretty exciting for me. (laughs) And then, and then that's kind of what, what we talked about earlier about, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you want to be an astronaut, you want to be an Olympian, you want to be a firefighter or whatever it is. And that was probably really when I started thinking about it when I was like 10 years old. And it was like that so far fetched at that point and so unattainable, but it was something that I wanted. And so then I, I competed, um, and snowboarded pretty heavily, um, for the next couple of years. Uh, I had good results, bad results, kind of a mixture of everything, things that made me want to to continue, things that made me want to quit. Um, you know, the regular teen stuff that kind of pulls you away from your sport for a minute. Um, but then they had this school in Vail, which was the Vail Ski and Snowboard Academy. And it was the only, it, it started in 2007 or eight, and it was the only public funded academy. So it was the first of its kind, um and it didn't cost a fortune to go there. So at that point, me and my dad made the decision that I would go there um, and kind of, you know, ultimately pursue this this goal of becoming an Olympian or becoming a professional snowboarder. Um, and then from there, you know, we're going to school still five days a week, but we're going from like 2 to 6 p.m. instead of, you know, regular school hours. So that gives us seven days a week to be snowboarding or cross-training or w- whatever it is. Um, and then with the travel and and everything they had the leniency to let us go away and chase the competitions. And, um, and that was like kind of chaos. Like it was a couple years of chaos and I knew I was good, but I didn't know I was that good. And, and maybe I wasn't that good yet, but um, it was kind of like timing was perfect for me to um, make 2010 Olympic games. Had I been, you know, like two days behind, um, I probably wouldn't have made the team, but it just like, it couldn't have landed. I, it came when I was like, just almost good enough. And then my results, I kind of got lucky and all of a sudden I'm 17 years old and I'm walking in the opening ceremonies of the Olympics and I'm still in high school. And I just like, I'm so overwhelmed. And I don't think I really understood, um, you know, the, the um, I guess the c- caliber of what was going on until, until that moment until walking in the opening ceremonies and you can kind of see, um, the scale of, of what you're really doing and and how far you've really made it. And it's, it's insane to be in a, you know, a little, um, in a venue with what 80,000 people and the energy is just exploding because every person in the, in the crowd's excited. Everyone in the audience is excited, but it doesn't get easier. And even if it's your third, fourth Olympics, you're just as excited. You have accomplished another massive goal in your career. And so even all the athletes are ecstatic and they've, they're filming, and they have their cameras out, and it just ends up being this, like, just super powerful moment, I guess.
0: Um, that's awesome. Here, so I, that w- kinda- I want to stop you right there, because I have, like, mm-hmm. a bajillion questions, so I'm sorry. Okay. So so let's, let's go back a little bit. So thank you for that. I really like when people yes. can get very specific, and now I have a little bit of ammunition. Now, the conversation might be a little bit longer, but that's only because I love asking questions, so here we go. Perfect. Going all the way back, so you Kind of only started snowboarding because everyone else was doing it. Now, like, how with you were only snowboarding for a couple of years and then you decided to go to the Vale Academy, correct? You were what, like five, six years at that point?
1: Four.
0: Four years, okay. Oh, no, so, no, no, you're
1: right, you're right, you're right. Because I did get so, it when I was eight. But I, yeah, but know, like, I really, eight, I guess. I Started snowboarding when I was ten. Like I said, yeah, I went yeah. once or twice, mm-hmm. but yeah, okay. So,
0: so. like real snowboarding, you are really only doing that for about four years overall. Yeah. Let's let's call it six because it sounds a little bit cooler. Um, yeah, and then that. your 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 family takes a huge leap of faith your dad you know specifically unfortunately obviously your mom passing away that leaves it all on him Uh, I'm sure there was help around you 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 were the youngest Um, so what was that like such a young age and and I guess maybe you can specify with your brothers and sisters a little bit like how old were they and then kind of getting uprooted from Salt Lake City to Colorado even though in your words which probably is just being a little humbling you weren't really again, your words, not mine, really that great yet. So at 14, you're like, oh, let me do this thing. Um, I want to try it out. Hey, family, let's move through another state to a place that, you know, we don't go normally.
1: Uh, To be honest, actually, um, my family never came. So I went. Oh. I went away for school.
0: Oh my gosh, Um, okay.
1: I had a, so my dad went to college with a guy who lived in Vail. um, And they were really good buddies. And so he reached out to his friend and said, hey, can my... Daughter live in your basement. She doesn't have a driver's license, obviously, because she's uh, too young. But when she gets, you know, a driver's license, she'll be really, you know, self-sufficient, and you won't, you know, you kind of won't see her. She'll come and go as she pleases, and I'll pay you for rent and food and whatever. Um, and so I stayed with that guy, and uh, and then the, the to be entirely honest part, I was, uh, I think my dad was really worried about me, and it was truly his decision that I go to the, the boarding school. Um, because he wanted me to chase my dreams and to not follow in the wrong path. And to be entirely honest, I was getting suspended a lot. I had failed out of most of my classes. I had spent that summer in summer school. Um, and then this school popped up and it was kind of his one just leap of mm. It was his leap of faith. Like help this kid find something that she can put all her time and energy into and, you know, so yes so that's that's the true story of it all
2: okay and I went
1: there and it was it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me it was it was a lot of growing up that I had to do and I had to more emotionally than anything I think I was able to fall back on my friends a lot when I was in Salt Lake and I didn't have that and I, I truly knew that I was my only lifeline out there and that if I wasn't gonna get my shit together for lack of better words um that I had nobody mm-hmm. no one was going to catch me, no one was going to pick me up no one was... and I had it like like I said that that family was they were my family out there, but um you know it's different you don't walk into a family when you're fourteen they don't they're not your your family mm-hmm. you can't you know speak and communicate and live with them like you would your own family
2: so absolutely I
1: felt a lot alone and I think it was something that I needed to experience to you know grow up mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, especially at such a young age that I mean, like it kind of hit me at like 2021 when I realized like, all right, I love my friends. They're like some of my favorite people on earth. But if we keep doing the same thing we're doing, we're just spinning our wheels at this point. So obviously, I'm still friends with all these people. I have no animosity or anything. But it's one of those things where it's, it's it's kind of okay. And we're all kind of no, it was never said. But it's one of those things. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's okay. And, And I can understand maybe at 14, and you you're a teenager you're doing the same stupid stuff you're getting suspended as you said and your dad I mean he's I, again I don't want to make assumptions but he's there by himself at this point and you know again oh, yeah. you have your older older siblings but at the same time like you're you sound like a handful I'm not gonna lie to you okay and well, so they, he,
1: they, I, they I, were a handful first
0: I'm right? sure I'm sure yeah I'm not trying to I'm not placing blame don't worry but you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to trying to work through this all and it's I mean it's that that's that's crazy and at 14 you're you go away to boarding school and now you're spending all your time snowboarding. So clearly, again, connecting the dots, we made it pretty far. And I think this was the right decision. But at the time, I mean, for your dad, that must have been just, A, heartbreaking, you know, sending his daughter away, for lack of a better term. Um, but B, I mean, I can understand how that was his only lifeline left because, as you said, you're going to keep – falling back into the same routine and you're going to keep doing the same thing. If you're not pretty much just a giant shock to the system and sent to a completely other state, completely other city with people that you never met before. So, you know, I mean, kudos to him for being able to do that. And, and, you know, maybe that, that, that choice was made for him almost, Mm -hmm. if I can say that. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, clearly again, it all worked out. So I think that is, Pretty incredible, and thank you for being honest and and, and open about the, the the real part of that story. Because you really just glossed over that part of it. I'm not gonna lie to you there, but I, I usually
1: appreciate do. It. I do. I, I try to.
0: And I, I can understand. I mean, it's that's uh, that's not a you know a, I don't for not like the word normal, but that's definitely a an interesting and unique portion to your life that I can understand. That maybe you don't want to talk about getting suspended at 14. I I respect it, but I appreciate yeah. you being open and honest with us. I, I sincerely sincerely do. So with with that you're there and and you start competing and you and you're realizing like okay, this is pretty cool. Time out. Can you actually explain what snowboard cross is to us? Yes. Thank um, you. Um
1: so snowboard cross is um six people. So it's it's motocross or any other cross sport just but on snow. And so what mm-hmm. that is is six people going down a course and it's it's an obstacle course. So it's got like rollers and big berm turns and massive jumps um and gates so you have like you know you got to stay within the gates. um but then ultimately it's just a big race and it is a contact sport so it's a lot of people bouncing off each other it's a lot of people landing on each other um but first person to the bottom wins uh so it, it's heats of six so top three advance onto the next round um all the way down to final so you just keep kind of keep going until mm. you get down to finals um, and then, obviously, the top six
0: are seated as they're seated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's um, – Yeah, that that's, pretty, sense, right? that's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's little, Motocross anyone, on snow. I love it. There All you right. go. And if anyone has any questions, contact Faye. I'm sure she'll help you out. Um, there you go. So, so back to your story. Thank you for that. So so what made you just – like what, what about snowboard cross did – like drew to you or what did you draw to it, I guess?
1: Well wow. right. – um, when I was, so when I moved to Colorado, I was competing a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I was doing slope style and half pipe at this point. Um, and then all the competitions. So when you turn 15, you're then eligible to race board across at that level, but you have to be 15 because you're racing against adults. So you have to have like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, there's just, that's just the rule. You gotta be 15. So then when I turned 15, I was already traveling, you know, to like Minnesota or, um, you know, I don't even know, like Oregon or, or whatever, um, Washington to, to do these events. Um, and so it just made sense. Why not do everything I can while I'm there? So then I started doing border cross. Um, Cause I did do the one when I, I did them when I was younger and then I kind of stopped. And then at this caliber, I was old enough again to start doing them. Uh, and so I started doing them and it just kind of turned out that I was really good at it and not like really good, but really good for, for my age and not really having done much of it. Uh, And so then for probably the next two years, I just did everything. So I would do, um, you know, the flip style and half-pipe stuff that I was doing. And then I would do border cross stuff on top of that, which opened up other uh, outlets and other competitions in border cross. So like 15, 16, I think I got invited to my, actually, I got invited to my first World Cup, which was my first five-star event in border cross. Um, And so that's, once you get five-star, they separate again. So then I was having to, Now I was traveling, you know, twice as much because I was doing all the slope style and half type events that I was previously doing. And then I started doing all these border cross five star events. Um, And then it just, like I said, like I was good at it. And then I just got better and better really fast. And it just, I just kept getting more payout from it. It would be like, you know, one day I started racing it. Then I got a podium. Then I got a world cup start. Then I did well at world cup. Then I got to go on world cup tour, which is, you know, I got to go to Europe. I got to go to all these places and start competing, um, you know, globally. And then I got an Olympic start. It was just like one thing after another, after another, after another. And it was just like success just kept coming. And, uh, and then at that point, I went to the Olympics and I came back from the Olympics. And I still thought, you know what, I'm going to keep doing everything. Um, and then I maybe did one more season of all three. Uh, and then I blew my knee out at a Slope event. And it was from overshooting a jump. And it was just, it's hard to go from, you know, trying to take all the speed you can into everything you can and giving it your all to then hitting these jumps that put you in the air. And you could nearly be crawling off of them and you're going to clear them because they've got these massive lips and the whole goal is to put you in the air. And so then I overshot this jump, you know, far past the landing and blew out my knee. And then it—it it, that's when it kind of clear, became clear to me that, like, at that level you can't fumble around like that because you're never going to be the best you can be good, but you're never going to be the best if you're trying to do um, everything. Because
0: mm-hmm. It's
2: just
1: too too specific. It's too competitive now. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. At that level, I mean, there, your competition is taking every ounce of their energy and putting it into one single thing and you're taking your, let's call it hundred percent and dividing it three ways. No matter yeah. what the percentage is, even if it's 98 one and one, you're still missing out on that extra percentage that your exactly. competition is doing. And at that level, those two percent, that one percent is going to be absolutely astronomical because um, it's all exactly. exponential when we get that high. So that is, <coughs> Ooh, excuse me, um, that is um, very, I guess, an unfortunate way to figure out what you were kind of like. How and and I know again, this is this is kind of a subjective question, but how good were you at slow style and and, and these other events? Like, where was there an opportunity there for you to? Maybe make the Olympics make the X Games?
1: I think there was, yeah. Um I had actually done the X Games for half pipe one year. Okay. Um while I was doing it. And I had been competing at so at what would be the same level I was doing competing at in Border Cross and I was getting like better results, but there was more competition within the national team. Mm -hmm. So as far as making the Olympic team, it wouldn't have been possible in twenty ten. But would it have been possible in twenty fourteen? it probably would have if i had stayed and and dedicated all my time and energy to that mm-hmm. um but it it seems like at that point my career path had kind of my career within snowboarding had kind of like chosen its its path mm-hmm. um and at the end of the day i'm real happy with with where I'm
0: at and where oh, I
1: ended up, 100%. I want it
0: any exactly. Other way. I mean, come on, three time yeah. Olympian, eight time X Games competitor. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, just a couple comments. One, you can't get in trouble if you're spending all your time snowboarding, right? So, clearly, again, your dad made Well, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's on video, so so I can see what Faye did, but don't worry, she didn't do anything. She's no I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, clearly, again, your dad, you know, again, extremely hard decision. He was able to, uh, he he, he made the right one, and uh, it clearly. Clearly, it was, it was worth it. So you, let, let's go back. Let's, let's take a step back for a second. How does qualifying, so as you were talking about how it's going to be difficult to qualify because the competition is, is uber, uber high in, in the other disciplines. Not to say it's not for snowboard cross, but clearly you found your niche. How does qualifying work for uh, snowboard cross in the Olympics to make the Olympic um, team?
1: Honestly, I should know that better than I do. You've only I made
0: could... it three times, so
1: yeah, you know, we're not exactly. going to hold that against you. Eh, eh, but it's so pol- political it's so each year is so different like the mm-hmm. um, the qualifying process and every year that I competed has brought on new disciplines which opens up or ta- opens up spots but then also can take more spots from us so
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's, um, for us to qualify for the Olympics you had to get to guarantee a spot, I think you had to get a first place or two top threes. And then after that, it went to subjective criteria, criteria, which was, um, kind of ranking like mm-hmm. world ranking. And then what your counterpart disciplines were kind of doing. So mm-hmm. if there was, you know, if say I'm, I'm fourth American for border cross women, And there's a girl who's fourth American for slope style women and, but they only have enough spots to give one of us a spot. Mm
2: -hmm. They're going
1: to take which one of us is most likely to get a medal. So even Mm -hmm. though we don't directly compete against each other, say I'm ranked 10th in the world and she's ranked 11th, they would take me over her. So it's, it comes down to your results, your direct teammates results, and then the entire snowboarding um, Mm -hmm. as a whole. So it's, like, so many things. And then they change criteria every year. So they change objective criteria, and then they change subjective criteria. So it's, like, for me, it's, like, if I'm top ten on World Cup, chances are I've had a one to two really good results that season. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can kind of – I mean, I can tell – like this time around, I would say I knew I was going or had a pretty good idea that I was going to be on the Olympic team after our first qualifier. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, That's quick. And that's results set aside. Like I think I got like fourth or fifth, which which isn't incredible, but it's really good. And the, But then I qualified, I think, first. And so then not only do I have a decent result, but then I had, um, if you're talking discretionary, I had a lot going for me at that point because I had – worked my ass off all summer um, and then came to snow and proved it. And so it was like, Mm -hmm. here I am, I'm ready to play. I'm a, you know, I'm a competitor. Let's do Mm -hmm. this kind of. And so I knew I was in a good position. Um, But then there's other years where it maybe takes a lot longer to get to that position where it's like, okay, fourth, fifth, sixth qualifier. And I'm kind of like, I better pull something out of my Mm
2: -hmm.
1: behind if I want to make this team. Um, (laughs) So I don't, I don't, think i'm the best person to ask about that stuff because i don't know it as well as i should
0: and that's that's fine if it does change constantly i can't really blame you and and with the whole added um effect of you actually being against people in other disciplines as well i can understand how that's kind of whatever and honestly if you go out and do your thing it won't matter you get your two podiums you get your one win who the hell cares that qualifying works do that and you're fine so uh that's kind of the mindset it seems like you're taking um and that you know it definitely makes sense uh to keep doing it that way because again clearly rocking and rolling there so um all right cool enough about your sport let's go back to you you're 17 as, as you were saying it was perfect timing and then you alluded to days literal days in turning the right age to then be able to eventually qualify how i guess i mean that one is almost luck like i don't believe in luck i believe in creating your own luck that's that's my whole thing but Two days, that's pretty darn close to luck. Like, if,
1: So, you know, yeah, like, let me explain it. Yeah, please, please explain that one a
0: little bit better or a little so, uh, differently.
1: I had maybe competed in two World Cups prior to the qualifying um, season. And so then the first qualifier was in South America, and I didn't get a spot there because I had never had an international spot. Um, and the way it works is for World Cup, when you're the hosting nation, you get X amount of extra spots. So the first one was in South America. I obviously didn't get a start there. Um, and then the next one was in the U S and they probably had three extra spots for women. Therefore I got to compete. So I got the spot to compete in this event. And that was going to be my only world cup for this, that season. And it, I had competed in, like I said, two or three prior to that. And you top 16. So they, they run you down the course once by yourself and they time you. Um, and that's, And then top 16 are the only ones that actually get to race heat. So that's Mm -hmm. how they seat you. So I had, I'd never qualified to even race heat. I had gotten like seven, I'd gotten like 17th before I'd gotten, I think my first one, I got like 30 something, you know, like I was climbing the totem pole and pretty slowly. And so that race, I showed up and I qualified 16th and that was on my, so you do get, so you get two qualifying Mm -hmm. runs. So on Mm -hmm. my second qualifying run, I was able to bump my time up and I qualified dead last but I qualified to race mm-hmm. so then I was like ecstatic. And I was like, I get a race in my first world cup. And, um, and I, my goal was like, I just don't want to get laughed in my heat. And that was my only goal. So, but that wasn't, that was even like a pretty big goal at that point. And so then we start our heat and my teammate now, Lindsay was in my heat, um, like probably the most successful border crosser ever, if not snowboarder ever, um, most decorated. And she was in my heat. And uh, I was obviously very intimidated and I kind of got out of the start gate and I was in third. I wasn't in last because at that point we were racing four. So fourth place was last. Um, So I was in third and we're kind of cruising, going, going, going. And I'm like following them, but I'm in no position to be like passing them. I'm not gaining on them or anything. Uh, And Lindsay goes down in second to last turn, maybe the last turn. And so all of a sudden I'm in second and top to advance. And so I crossed the finish line in second. And I'm the only American still racing at this point. And so I'm like, wow, I just got a top eight in, you know, so then we go on and whatever. And I get last in my next heat because I kind of had no business there. Um, but because I got that eighth place, the team had to invite me on the world cup tour because at that point I was probably sitting above most of their women on our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that then qualified me to go on the entire tour and then I, it was kind of the same thing. I was able to beat out all the other girls by like one spot, like one spot, one spot. I got like a few top eights, just enough to be like fluttering around. And then I ended up getting a discretion spot. So it wasn't. I was the second girl to qualify, but I didn't meet objective criteria. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a podium, but I had like maybe three top eights, which was pretty good. So I was the second girl, um, and I knew I was sitting in second, but I didn't know there was a chance that they might only take one girl the olympics they ended up taking three of us which was great but like i said it was just like if if i didn't get that world cup start
2: mm-hmm.
1: then I, and if i if i didn't qualify and then if i didn't have you know that fluke that got me through to the next round then i wouldn't have qualified for the tour and then had mm-hmm.
2: no chance so it was
1: just oh, like thing i had met i had just like met every requirement by like one spot just and then yeah uh, love it. That
0: is, I, I love those kind of things because like th- there are so many forks in that road and you just kept getting the correct side and you just keep going and going. Did. I just think that that is so cool. So tell us about your first Olympics. As you said, you were what, 17? You're super young. You were there hanging out. I mean... What's that like being next to some of the most decorated athletes in like Olympic history and some of the most amazing people that you've probably looked up to, you know, at that time for, you know, how many years at this point? Like, what, what was that experience like? What were some of those emotions that you had?
1: Oh, it was so intimidating It was so overwhelming. And I think, you know, in hindsight, I almost wish I was a little bit older to be able to, you know, really experience it. Cause I was so young. I was kind of on like babysitter duty. Like I was always like being toted around because I was under 18. I always had Mm -hmm. to be like, have kind of supervision and I didn't get to stay in the village and, or we didn't stay in the village. and So I I didn't get a ton of the Olympic experience. And I also didn't really know what the Olympic experience was and I didn't know how to seek it. Um, And so it was, it was massive and it was cool, but it was like by far my, uh, it was, I don't know. To me now, because I'm like finishing school and kind of, although I'm still compete, I'm still going to compete and, and obviously keep competing through the next Olympic cycle. But um, trying to delve into like the pr- professional world, it's honestly really similar. It's walking into your first interview or your first internship or your first job and feeling so under prepared and under and anxious and nervous and insecure all at once. Um, and that's honestly how it feels. It's the same thing. I, I will argue I feel more uncomfortable in a professional setting than I do in an athletic or at the Olympics. Mm-hmm.
2: At the Olympics.
1: Um, but it was similar to that. Just being like, I don't belong and blah, blah, blah. And just kind of like overwhelmed and young and trying to understand it all. And then having like all the hormonal BS that's going mm-hmm. on
2: since you're mm-hmm. 17. you're 17, all, yeah. Like,
1: just trying to stay sane. And then, you know, whatever came with that when I came home. Um, but... I wasn't there by a fluke. I was there because Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be there and because Mm -hmm. I worked butt off to get there. And because I was one of the best. And I think that's what I was able to take away from that moment and, and be like, okay, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm good enough, you know? And then uh, I think that was the difference. So then for the next four years, it wasn't, I wasn't, Snowboarding and competing, I was training for the Olympics. Is what I was.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it was
1: it, at that point it was an Olympic cycle, and that was my goal. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't just want to go. So, being seventeen, I went to the Olympics. I got twelfth place. I was ecstatic. I could, I, you know, I twelfth place was great. I was plenty good enough for me.
0: Twelfth uh, in the world—that's incredible. Like, are you kidding? But, like, perspective, man. I think that's insane.
1: Exactly, and then, but then I was able to be like, I was able to, you know, like shift from from not just being a competitor, but then becoming a medalist um, and how I was, how I was going to go about that. And I think, you know, I, I trained a lot harder than I ever did to get to 2010, um, you know, dedicated every ounce of energy and time into to my sport and went to, to 14, qualified for 14, qualifying for 14 was challenging. I had like a really rough season qualifying season, just couldn't get a result. And I think I let the pressure get to me. And it
2: mm-hmm.
1: ultimately maybe did um some did hurt me in a bit for a bit but um went to 2014 and ended up getting fourth which was so rad because I was so close to the podium and I felt like all the work that I had done had paid off and I wasn't a lot of people thought I would be bummed to be that fo- that close to the podium but for me and at that point that was an incredible result and Be fourth in the world again. Again,
0: yeah. Let's perspective. Like, okay, first, second, or third is incredible. Yeah, being on the podium, obviously, but fourth in the world at anything. Do do you think me? Do you think I'm gonna be fourth in the world at anything ever? No, probably (laughs) not. I'm okay with that.
1: You're gonna gonna be the fourth in the world podcaster.
0: Well, hopefully, man. Share this with all your friends. (laughs) I wouldn't I wouldn't be angry about it. But I mean again, like perspective, like like that is just absolutely insane. And that's one thing that um not not to take away from your story, but something that I do like to say, like too many people are worried about the medals like you've been to the yeah. olympics three flipping times man that means you're one of the best athletes in the world for like for what the 12 years like that's incredible maybe not my maybe my math is a little off 9 years whatever it is but still like yeah. that's just absolutely insane and like i don't care if you didn't get a medal like that's all the tv cares about that's all the media cares about like that's why i'm doing this because i just think that what you've done is something that I'll never get to experience and that's fine. Like I I understand, like I was supposed to be a baseball player. Like I'm five, six, like I really don't think I can make it to the major leagues. (laughs) But like, it's one of those things that like, I I don't like, obviously it's awesome if you can medal, but you're fourth in the world at something, dude, that is incredible. Like that is just so, so incredible. So I'm glad you have that perspective on it. I think that that's very healthy and it makes sense. And I mean, even at what you were 21 at the time, right? Like right around there. there. Like I can understand being pretty happy about something like that. That is super cool. So oh, sorry yeah. to hijack your story, but please. No,
1: no, no, you're great. Back to that. Um, no, no, no. So what oh, to pick up where I was. So I, um, but then this Olympic experience, I, I knew that I wanted to experience as much of it as I could. Um, I was a little bit older. I was more comfortable. I knew I belonged there. Uh, I watched a lot more events. I went to some of the parties. I saw, um, you know, I kind of experienced a lot more of the Olympics. And, uh, you know, I had my dad there and my friends, and we were just – we had a great time. We saw a lot of events, um, and it was incredible. And then, fast forward, you know, another cycle, and um, I kind of came into my own as an athlete. You know, like I had all these – I was always really good, um, but my one downfall is that I'm i am pretty small for my sport. And uh, – well, not my one downfall. I've got plenty of downfalls. But the one big one is that I'm pretty small for my sport. And so I had to find these minor tweaks, like so minor in just like my diet and my training, um, my creatine supplements, uh, whatever it was to find the perfect balance of weight, but have it be productive weight and have it stay on and be able to maintain it uh, and then be able to have that same fast switch that I had at my regular weight. and so it was like so many years of like trying to figure out where I could, how I could, how we could make that work because I would gain it. Then I'd drop it and lose it all right before I race, And I couldn't keep it on. Um, and so then we kind of got it to a science and it all kind of came together this like past season leading into the game. And I've never felt like I was training, you know, like almost eight hours a day because it was like, we would go from having, you know, like a start section. So we're doing like uh, imitated starts, like date drops. Um so we're doing starts and then we're doing like a strength session and then we have these like um kind of new incorporated training which is like uh where you're wearing say you're wearing like flashing goggles while walking on a slack line and someone's throwing a ball at you. So it's like responding to these things around you without losing your balance, without losing your focus. Uh, because in our sport you've got people coming into you, got people behind you chirping at your toes, you got noises and flags and you got a million things going on and but you gotta get you gotta be able to respond to all that without you know throwing a wrench in your plan or whatever it is and so we do a lot of that kind of training and then we do cross training and then we have these travel requirements now that we're you know we got to do like um, x amount of cardio hours a week and we got to prove it Um, and so it got like leading into these games I was like I said I'm training like eight hours a week or eight hours a day seven hours a day Um, I'm like mentally as strong and as healthy as I ever could be I'm getting results I made every finals for every Olympic qualifier except for one which is massive for me This Mm -hmm. is like most successful season by far and it wasn't successful by fluke it wasn't successful because of fluke by any means it Mm -hmm. was like every single bit of energy I had I put into this and every bit of heart and every bit of pull and every bit of anything I can think of Um, and so I qualified right off the bat and it was super exciting and I felt so confident and for me it's i've never i'm I'm a person who doesn't feel that confident in a lot of situations so for me to be that confident and, and know that i didn't i would say i knew i was going to get a medal i didn't get a medal but leading into the games i thought there was no way i wasn't going to get a medal and even like race day everything i had like so much energy i was like on cloud nine because i was i was going to get a medal i worked for it i earned it you know i dedicated all the time i had done the recoveries I had the injuries I had you know it just to me it seemed like there was no way I couldn't do well um and I I don't know if I choked or if I had a silly mistake that could have happened any time but it happened then um but I ended up getting my worst result at the Olympics and maybe even my worst result in my career I don't know I ended up in 21st I kind of I qualified third um which was incredible The the girls who qualified one and two actually got one and two in the the race. So uh, qualifying third and being super small on a course that's flatter and favors, you know, bigger women was, was good. You know, I, I was, I knew I was firing if I could qualify third with that crowd and it didn't work out for me. Um, And that was the hardest thing was to share that so publicly because 100% 100% of the time, no one knows what I do. Even my siblings don't really know what I do. They don't know where I'm at. They don't know know how much I love what I do and how much energy and heart I put into it. Um, but then to have to, you know, the one, day that, the one day every four years that everyone you know or have, have ever met watches, um, you know, I didn't want to have to share that so publicly. Like, I didn't want to have to experience that with the world is what it felt like um and that was really that was the hardest thing for me because I was and I was almost embarrassed you know like I feel like I've gone through so many things in my life and and a lot of like hardships but that broke me and to have like a sport something so silly you know like in the big scheme of things um have such an influence on me was like pretty it was it was weird it was crazy it took me probably a whole entire week before I said anything to anyone because it was just like. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, I couldn't make sense of it. Um, I couldn't make sense of the pain that I was feeling. Like I said, it, it, I shouldn't have been feeling it. It was a silly sport. You know, I had lost my mom and I couldn't lose the Olympics. Like, you know, it was like, if my biggest, my friend always says this, and I love that he says this, but he says, if your biggest problem is, and then he says whatever it is, but if my biggest problem is that I didn't win the Olympics, then I'm doing just fine. Um, and that was something I just had to remind myself a lot. But I'm pretty introvert, and to have to, like, share that was really hard for me. Um, and people ask, and I, I don't have an answer. I don't know why I didn't win. I don't know why I didn't do good. I don't know why I fell. I don't know why. Um, and so that, this experience was hard, and it, it makes me anxious for what's to come because I don't want it to haunt me in these next Olympics. I don't want to have to sit there and have that, like, hot sweat at night every night while I'm, you know, in our Olympic dorms where I'm thinking about everything that can go wrong. I don't want to have that. And I don't think I will because of how far I've come as an athlete and how much I I know and understand about myself. But uh, that's not, it's there. It's sure there. Damn.
0: Damn, man. Thank you for that. I mean, that's some powerful stuff. That's, you know, obviously what your friend says. I, I I do something similar. Um, You know, just put things in perspective. If this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, you're doing just fine. Um, But I can understand. I mean, like, as you said, you put, Every ounce of energy, time, blood, sweat, tears, money, all this stuff into something and to come up. And, and it's not even like you came up just short. Um, you know, in, in, yeah. in your words, like you, you know, something went wrong. Something happened. I felt
1: like I didn't get a chance. I felt like, so what happened is I fell out of the start gate and it's like a, it was a big transition drop in. And if you fall, you can't get out of that hole. Mm-hmm. So my Olympic debut, started and ended in the same second and I was like that was what I didn't I wasn't afraid of losing but mm-hmm. I was I felt like I never got to try
0: yeah you didn't even show
1: everyone what I've made of mm-hmm. what I've done what I've accomplished and how far I've come and and then go out there and execute and so that was just hard
0: that, yeah I mean that's just and not to like you know pour pour salt into a wound or anything but like you know you worked for four years and as you said in a second it was gone. So, so how much more does that motivate you now? As you said, like, you don't want to sit there with hot sweats, but like at the same time, like, I I, I hate to do this to you, but 2022 is still four years away, which means you're going to be a little bit older. And we kind of know Olympic athletes' careers are not super long. If you can go to four games, let's call that an amazing career. But clearly that's not, you know, getting to the games, that's whatever. That's not the big deal at this point. Now it's to come back, redeem yourself, win, win a medal. Yeah. Exactly. So so it's one of those things like how much you know, as you said, it took you a week to even talk to someone. And I don't even think that's hyperbole, honestly. Like I think that is very, very true and honest. So what like how are you using this to motivate yourself for the next four years? Cause it's I mean, we're still twenty eighteen, the Olympics were as of recording, only like six months ago. Like give yeah. or take, eight months ago, whatever it was. So that means you have another three years and little bit of math involved, uh, away from the, from the next Olympic. So what, what do you, what do you have to do? I'm sorry. I don't know how to ask this question. I've never been been in this position before. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. (laughs)
1: Um, no, no, I, uh, I, like I said, I instantly wanted redemption. Like I couldn't even fathom, not getting to try again. And so I think that that was good for me because, oops, Did I exit yet here?
0: No, I can see you. I can still hear you, too. You're fine.
1: Oh, I just can't see you, but whatever. Okay, so... um, I'm
0: still as pretty as before, I promise you that.
1: Perfect. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, no, I knew I... And Okay, so yeah, I was getting old. I've I've been to three Olympics. I told myself for my whole entire career that I would quit when I was 26 because I didn't only want to be a snowboarder. I wanted another career that I could be proud of. I wanted to... I didn't want to be that athlete that was hanging on to it because they had nothing else. Um, just till the bitter end. And so the you know, sports chewed you up and spit you out. I wanted to leave on a good note um, and then move on to the next chapter of my life. And I started college right after 2010 Olympics. And so with my whole plan, it seemed like that was all executable. Like I could, I could have that, you know, six, eight years or whatever it was to finish my undergrad and then have this platform um, then to step onto as I leave snowboarding and kind of have a pretty smooth transition into whatever it was that I was going to do next. Um, and that was the goal. Uh, but I have grown so in love with my sport and I can't leave. I'm not ready to leave. And I think also that was, that helped solidify all that, um, in the regard of, sorry, I'm losing charge here. Um, but just in the, in the sense of, um, I couldn't leave on that note. That was not the note that I was going to end my Olympic story on. Mm -hmm. So I, um, so I knew I had to come back. And now right now I'm in this, this period where I had my second knee surgery, like maybe five months ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm doing the recovery thing, but I don't have any plans of, of giving up. And I feel like, um, yes, a lot of sports you get, your chances kind of it becomes harder as you get older but I think our sports lucky we're lucky because it's not everywhere and so the only time you gain course experience is from racing on courses and the only the, the people who've been doing it the longest have the most experience
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and so I do have that upper hand and, and I might not have as fast twitch but you know I'll still be in my 20s and um I don't think I'll have an issue with it. I'm going to get my gold medal. Love it.
0: Yeah, you are. I love it. That is incredible. I mean, your story is just absolutely phenomenal. I love it. Um, that's. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. And I mean, we're we're pretty far in. And I've only kind of mentioned the X Games um, in passing. And unfortunately, we're probably not going to be able to talk too much about that. But, you know, just, just thank you so much for putting all your time and energy into your sport, into representing us. Um, on a literal daily basis and, and doing all these things. And, and this is exactly why I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do because I want people to understand what you went through for an extremely unfortunate event to happen. And then you now have to go another four years to do it again. Um, and now obviously we're crossing our fingers. We're knocking on wood. Whatever you need from us, I promise, I'll do it. I got no problem. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, it's, there, there's so much triumph and heartbreak and there's so many things that can happen in a few short seconds that make four years not unworthy, but definitely put into perspective, I guess. Is that a good way to say it kind of thing? So, you know, we, we appreciate all of it and I hope you know that there are lots of people out there that love what you're doing and going to continue to follow you and, and we'll, we'll support you the whole way for the next four years. So just thank you one more time. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: (laughs) Plus you get to snowboard for a living. I mean, it really can't be that bad, right? Like, there's a oh, lot of, yeah, would you want one of those nine to fives? Like, come on, let's, let's be honest about well, that one of these days, but, but take your time. You're fine. You got some time. Yeah, and and as you totally. were saying, you don't want to be one of those athletes that is just an athlete and is hanging on a little too long with the internet. Now, I mean, you'll still be in your twenties. As you said, you will be totally fine. Just tell him, Hey, I'm a four time, uh, Olympic, um, <laughs> four-time Olympian, one-time Olympic gold medalist, cross your fingers, knock on wood. There you like go. It. He's not going to want to hire you for that. So that is awesome. And and kind of, again, I know we're kind of running out of time a little bit, and I sincerely appreciate all your time today. The last thing I do want to talk about is the monetary aspects. I ask every Olympian, I ask every hopefulness, and I really just want to get a good understanding. I mean, you and I spoke, and the first time we couldn't talk because you had your job. You had to go to your job. Now, I just personally think that that is – ridiculous maybe you'll give us a little bit more context maybe this is you working towards your career but i mean just just tell us a little bit about kind of the monetary aspects of either your sport being an olympian being a female olympian whatever you'd like to talk about we don't want to know your dollars but we do want to get a good understanding of i mean again you've been doing this for the last nine years give or take and you know in, in my opinion you've been to three olympic games you should be making a couple dollars at this point, but I don't know, you know what the truth is and, and, or, you know, where, where it falls on that line. But if you don't mind just, I guess, talking to that point a little bit so we can get yeah. just a good understanding of everything that you go through.
1: Yeah, yeah no problem. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to say it's all, um, the industry and not me. Cause I think there is money to be had. Um, but you know, I think those who truly, so for me, it's really hard to truly believe that I, and deserve the money um, because I'm over here and I get to travel the world um, on someone else's dime um, for six to eight months out of the year I get to snowboard every day I get my health insurance I get my tuition paid for um, and to me that is a dream like I can't mm-hmm. think of, of having life any better and so I think I've done a pretty poor job of marketing myself because I it's hard for me to sell myself to companies or to sponsors because I'm I don't truly feel like they should give me their money because I'm already just floating on a dream like I I already I don't feel like it's earned because I'm over here playing
2: mm-hmm. I
1: play all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. therefore do you want to pay me and I can't make sense of that and there's a lot of other people who do truly feel like their time and their sport is worth that you know and they're like I'm the best and I deserve so much money and blah blah blah, blah. And I think that that's kind of the marketing that gets money. Um, but then that, that said alone, there isn't a ton of money. So like even the most successful marketers or the most successful, even um, athletes, uh, aside from like the Sean White's and the Lindsay Bonds, they're not making,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: a ton of money. Yeah. There's a the select few that make six figures or whatever, but not, not us, not us little guys. Um, and so, and I also don't think um, I don't know. For me, it's just easier to depend on a paycheck um, that I've earned. I know it's going to come when, you know, every two weeks. And so for the bulk of my snowboard career, I've actually been also working alongside that. And it's just various odd jobs and kind of whatever I can do that's not too binding um, or time consuming because believe it or not, being a professional snowboarder is very time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard if people that people want to work around your schedule. But the that being said, yeah, there's not a lot of money in it, and I find myself in this position now at 26, where my friends are buying houses and um, you know, kind of moving on to that next step, and I don't have anything to show for it. You know, I I get to sit here and say I'm a three-time Olympian, and people think, oh my gosh, you've got you got millions, you're just rolling in it, and I don't have a penny to show for it, and that's a little heartbreaking because I'm I want to to leave the sport and have a place to go
2: mm-hmm.
1: um afterwards and without working i wouldn't have that and so you know i support myself like i said my snowboarding and everything related to that is covered um which is awesome and more than enough but then it mean like you know i gotta feed myself i gotta pay for mm-hmm. my gas and, and i don't come from money and i don't have um i mean i'm sure if i needed to borrow money i could but i don't have a lot to fall back on so i know that you know, this is the way that I create security for myself is through work. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I would argue that 90% of us Olympic athletes are probably in a pretty similar situation to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that you that the public sees and and you know that are all over the TV, yeah, they're making a lot, but those are two of 300 Olymp- Olympians. You know, exactly. It's not.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's, and again, I don't want to take any money away from them. They've done everything they've done to Sean White oh, yeah. and Lindsay Bonds. Like they deserve their money. They've done everything. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that there isn't more pieces of the pie or, 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 or sections of the pie that I don't think mm-hmm. uh, some of our other athletes deserve considering, again, you're a three-time Olympian. And, and you know, as you said, you you work for a living to support mm-hmm. yourself so that you can continue to play, which again, when you, when you put it in the most simplest terms, it doesn't sound like the worst possible thing in the world. But in reality, again, I think for everything that you do for us as a country, um, for the sport, uh, you know, hopefully that, that starts to maybe change a little bit. And, um, you know, if that's just yeah. one little thing that we can change, um, you know, I think that could be pretty impactful to a lot, a lot, a lot of people's lives. And I think that that's really important. And that's something you know, that I'm doing my best, man. I promise you that. <laughs> change the world one day and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, Faye, we've taken up enough of your time. I said it was going to be a half an hour. It turned into an hour. I'm sorry if you had <laughs> something to do, but this was phenomenal. You were very open and honest and, and intimate. And we sincerely appreciate that. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. And we really do now understand a little bit more of what it's like to be an Olympian or, or maybe, you know, a three time Olympian, or even potentially a four time Olympian. So mm-hmm. out, we'll be crossing our fingers for you. We'll be rooting for you. We'll be following you, paying attention. So one more time, Fagalini USA snowboarding border cross. Sorry, I wasn't as cool as you earlier. So we'll uh, border cross um, three time Olympian uh, soon to be four. So Fay, thank you so much for joining us. I sincerely appreciate it.
1: No problem. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of our athletes with Faye. She was fantastic. As you heard, um, Super interesting story. Absolutely fantastic. Very, very happy we got the opportunity. I got the opportunity to speak to her, talk to her about her story, and ask her some questions. It really doesn't get much better for me, if we're being honest. So if you guys don't mind, uh, please follow Faye on all her socials. They'll be in the show notes. Uh, please follow us at our athletes.us on Instagram. That way you can see some birthdays. You can see some the episodes that are coming out, when they come out, who they're coming out with, which is always fun. Uh, please like, subscribe, share, review, comment, Get the word out there. Tell your best friends about it because I truly believe our athletes don't get nearly enough recognition and this is something that I think is very important. The athletes appreciate it. Um, we only really notice them once every four years, which is a total drag. So I think this is just a nice, easy way. I mean, it's very inspirational, motivational. It doesn't get much better than that. So thank you guys so much. Sincerely do appreciate it and I hope you have a wonderful day.